Hello everyone, this is Andre, the co-founder of Twins Tours and Travel in Jerusalem in Israel, born into a Christian Maronite family, and I'm a licensed tour guide and an ordained minister of the gospel. I have been leading numerous groups throughout the Holy Land for almost 20 years. Also, I'm an author of several books, and you can find them in Amazon. And one of the first books I wrote called One Friday in Jerusalem speaks about my life story. So join me for a journey of 10 days to understand the heart and the mind of Jesus and to understand the Bible in a deeper way with more details through the Middle Eastern perspective. Please share this podcast with your friends and families and churches and connect with me if you have any questions. We are on day number four of the tour, and I will give you a summary of what we will do today. After breakfast, we're going to leave the hotel and go to a village called Kfar Kanna. Kfar Kanna. And this is where Jesus had done the first miracle by turning the water to wine, and we're going to speak about it. And then after that, we're going to head to downtown Nazareth to go and visit the Annunciation Church where the word became flesh and this is one of the biggest Catholic churches in the Middle East and we're going to talk about the childhood of Jesus and the theme of this day is Jesus as a man and we're going to learn a lot about his childhood despite the Bible do not mention a lot but I'm going to use other resources outside the Bible like the Mishnah, the book of the Mishnah which is the oral law what was compiled at 200 AD two centuries after Jesus, but it gave us a lot about the life of children as Jews in the first century in the area of Nazareth. Then we will continue to a place called Nazareth Village, a reconstruction how Nazareth looked in the first century. We also going to have a biblical lunch, a first century style in Nazareth Village. And then after that, we're going to head to Mount Precipice, and this is the traditional place where they took Jesus outside the city and tried to push him from the mountain and he disappeared among them. And then after that, we will continue back to the hotel for dinner. We are driving now from the hotel all the way to Kfarkana. And this is the only, only road that leads between the two villages. And usually the roads are very crowded and a lot of traffic even early in the morning because a lot of children go to school in these villages. And this is very wise to stay two nights in Nazareth that we can go and visit Cana and in the morning and not come from Galilee. Most of the groups stay all the nights in Galilee. And they come far distance, like one hour drive all the way to Nazareth and Cana. So it's a lot of traffic on the way. So what you notice in this tour, we're doing two nights in Nazareth. And then the other two nights are in Galilee. So this way you can use more time in seeing sights than the traffic stuck in the traffic and stuck in the bus. I would remind my group that they need a holy dress for today which means no shorts for men or women. For men, if they have shorts, they should be below the knees. For women, if they are dressed like in skirts, also the skirts needs to be below the knees. Anyway, what is a holy dress? A holy dress is not showing any skin. For example, for the women, no tank tops or sleeveless. What I suggest the best for the women 
especially when it's a hot summer day, to bring a shawl with them and to cover before they arrive to the church and then they can take the shawl off after leaving the church. This is the best way to handle the modest stress with getting, without getting overheated and it's respectful to abide by the rules and have modest dress inside the churches in the Middle East, especially, especially this is the culture of the churches. Before arriving to Kfar Kana, I will ask the bus driver to drop us in a different location than all other buses and all other tourists and all the crowds. And usually I try to be different and I do different things from my experience than other of all the groups. Because when the driver would drop me a little bit before the main stop, and I'll go to a place that is very local, and I will go through a backside through the downtown of Cana, where the locals live, which lead us to the church, a backside. And this way they can experience the indigenous Christians in Cana. Cana is a small village, have around 23,000 in population, and only 10% of the populations are Christians. And it's a mixed Muslim Christian town. And that's all the regions of the Galilee. There's a lot of mixture between Muslims and Christians. But Christians generally tend to live in the old section of the downtown in Farkana. And this is where we are passing by their homes, where they live, the Christians nearby the church. And nearby the miracle of changing the water to wine. We are just walking nearby the Greek Orthodox Church with the red domes you see on the top. And this church was built in 1885. And then after that, we're going to arrive to the Catholic Church. That is the main church where we're going to do the teaching and where most of the groups go to visit the site commemorating Jesus turning the water to wine. We are standing at the center courtyard facing the facade of the Roman Catholic Church of the wedding. And you have to understand this is part of the Franciscan order in the Catholic Church. And what you see in front of you was built around 1881. Before building the church, they have done excavations and they found a remains of an inscription in Aramaic on a mosaic floor which read, Honored be the memory of Yosef, son of Tanhum, son of Buta, and his sons, who made this tablet. May it be a blessing for them. Amin. And which means, if you find an Aramaic mosaic or a tablet and a floor, this means there is an older Jewish community that was there in the first century. And many scholars say that this might be a Judeo-Christian synagogue from the first century. Also remains of another church goes back here from the fourth and fifth century that was built by Queen Helena. So the church is two levels. The upper level, which is the main chapel, where so many people and locals, when they do marriages and they marry in Farkana, the Christians, they come and celebrate their marriages and do the service in the church. And then the second down is a lower level where we can see the ancient remains of the 4th and 5th century apse and the church of Queen Helena time, which was completely destroyed in history. 
I tell my group, join me to go down because there are less people. And usually in the courtyard, it's so crowded here because so many people are taking a lot of pictures. And I'll tell the group, let's go downstairs because it's less people and less crowded. Then at the end, I'll give you some time to take pictures and go inside the church and even see the Aramaic inscription. To the left side of the main entrance to the church, there is another door that will lead us through a chapel. And when we enter that chapel, will lead us to go down through a few steps. And to the left side, when we're going down the steps, you're going to see some archaeological capitals and some remains of mosaic floors and some pottery that was first found here when they first uh, done excavations in this area, the Franciscans. And then the steps will lead us to a room in the lower level. And in the center of the room, there is a jar. And this is a jar made of stone. And this is a huge jar. And it's like uh, very typical to the stone jars in the first century. And then back of the jar, there are two wooden benches. And I tell the group, let the elderly people just to have the priority to sit on these benches and the rest of the group will sit on the floor because I'm going to start uh, teaching about the first century culture, custom and context of weddings. I tell the group I'm going to take you through a journey 2000 years ago and imagine with me how weddings took place in the first century and i will stretch you a little bit and use our imagination and imagine that we live in the first century and you are my family you're my friends you're my tribe from cana from the village of cana and i am single and i want to get married so where i will meet my future wife some people will tell me, you will meet at the synagogue. I'll say, no, the synagogue was separated between the men and the women. Some other people will tell me, meet at the church. No, there were no churches at that time. But I'll tell you, in the first century, when I want to see a beautiful girl, I meet her at the well. And early in the morning, when I wake up, I would call my friends and best buddy. And with my friends, I go all the way to meet the girl at the well in Nazareth. Why in Nazareth? Because the most beautiful girls come from Nazareth. And early in the morning, I go because I don't want to go late in the evening or at the wrong time of the day because the bad girls will come later in the evening. And I want to meet the good girls. So I go early in the morning. And from far away, I see a beautiful girl with a white and bluish garment with her nice hazel eyes and her eyes is sparkling and she looks at me and i look at her immediately my heart starts to pump and suddenly i feel alive and i will say to my friends this is the one this is love from the first sight and you have to understand that i never seen her before and this is the first time i've been seeing her and i knew in my guts that this should be my future wife so i'll tell my friends look Go and ask your sisters or your relatives or who is this girl? What is her name? Please bring me all the news and her father's name. It's so much important to get the father name. And then after that, I'll go back so happy with my friends all the way back 
to the village of Cana, where I am from. Later during the day, my friends will come and bring me all the news about her name and her father's name. So I can't wait till my own father come back for dinner from the fields. And I will tell him, Father, Father, I'm so happy, I'm so excited, I want to get married, I met the love of my life, and I want her, I want to get married, please, please, please. So my father tell me, son, relax, take it easy. Let us check who is this girl, what is her name? So I will tell him her name, and he will ask me, what is her father's name? And I tell him the father's name. And my father will send a relative, a cousin or a friend, to all the way to Nazareth to ask about the girl and her father and to ask about the reputation of the family. Of course, Nazareth in the first century were 400, at most 450 people. So everyone knows each other. And my cousin will come back to the village of Cana and speak to my father. I don't know what's happening at that time. Next step, my father will arrange for a few visits to her family, with my family. And it takes like uh, several visits, maybe two or three visits at most. Because my father will be talking all the time with her father. Then they will arrange between the families a date for the betrothal ceremony that my family and relatives in Cana will come all together to meet them in Nazareth. And we will sit all together in the courtyard. So you have to understand that betrothal took place before the actual marriage. And it was considered as binding as marriage. And the woman who was betrothed was considered to be the wife of the man who was betrothed to at that time. And she was bound to him to be faithful even before the marriage. So the betrothal period lasted usually six months and sometimes to a year or two years. And it was a binding promise between the bridegroom and the bride to marry. And according to the first century culture, the girl was purchased for a certain sum of money. This was paid to the bride's father. This will be agreed by both fathers at an earlier stage. Remember I told you that my father will pay so much visits to her father and this will be a negotiation about uh, the price they have to pay for the girl. And my father at this moment will bring a full cup of wine and ask from me to drink from it. And I take the cup after I drink from it and I give it to my future bride to drink from it. The moment she drank from the cup of wine, she is betrothed to me and there is no way back. You have to understand it was not her choice to get married, but it was her father's choice. Usually the girls, the women have to submit to the father because the father knows more about everything. He is more mature, he has much more experience and he knows the best husband for the wife. So, she is stuck from that moment. There is no way back. And many times the betrothed woman would not see her husband until the marriage ceremony began. And you have to understand, culturally, it's not that the woman was for sale with the amount of price. No, it's to value the woman and to value her as a human being. They just have an amount of money, a price for her. And remember, Jesus has brought us 
price. He just shed his blood. So his blood is like the covenant between us and him, the bride and the groom. So when Jesus shed his blood, he paid the price for us. And now the moment he done that, we have a covenant with him. We are betrothed to him and there is no way back. We cannot change our mind. It's a done deal. Remember my buddy, my best friend, my relative, the bridegroom, choose him as a loyal friend to prepare the bride for the wedding. He will accompany her during the betrothal period and he will help her to get prepared and go throughout all what her needs and he would know that uh, his job is preparing the bride to receive the bridegroom. And remember John the Baptist? He was the one, the friend of the bridegroom. He was the one who prepared the way. He was the voice to prepare the way for Jesus to come. And finally, when the wedding day will arrive, the bridegroom would dress himself in a festival garments, wearing crown of gold or silver or flowers. And he would proceed with his friends and other attendants from an unknown location to the bride's father's house. And this is what happens till today in villages. My buddies, my friends will come all with me together to go and to see my future wife. And I will not tell her exactly when the time I'm coming because I love her so much. I want to surprise her and she has to be ready. And remember, Jesus would surprise us. We don't know the hour or the time he will come to meet his bride. Now, all the virgins of Israel would be outside waiting along the way in the evening with their oil lamps lit until the loud warning cry, Behold the bridegroom, come, go yet out to meet him. You know, when my friends is like and me arriving to the house, there will be a lot of noises and people shouting, The bride is coming, the bride is coming to the father's house. Meanwhile, she will be getting ready, the bride, and she will purify herself, will be dressed nicely, and a lot of jewels and decorations and white clothes because she is anticipating and waiting for her future husband to come and surprise her. She also will cover with herself with a veil as she waits for the bridegroom. And when the bridegroom finally shows up at the entrance of the house, there will be again a loud cry, Behold, the bridegroom come, go yet out to meet him. And the procession will begin from the father's bride's house to the house of the bridegroom. And remember in the Bible, it began all with a great celebration. The bridegroom, the bride, the friend, the virgins, musicians, many other friends and relatives would walk and dance and cast out flowers and sing songs and do a lot of demonstrations of joy and gladness. And the bride will be crowned and carried by the crowd in a piece of furniture through the streets to the bridegroom house. Now all the doors are shut and the feast began with great dancing and celebration lasting for like so many days at the bridegroom house. And all the guests were giving special garments in closing and everyone is happy and celebrating. The bridegroom and bride were treated as king and queens. They also were garments of celebration and do not do the work at all. Everyone have to serve them. And they would watch the festival, drink wine and even join in the dancing. 
and everyone is so happy. And there will be the ruler of the feast was responsible for all the preparations and the benedictions. And the, as to remind you, the wedding feast happened in the home of the bridegroom or in a family member of the groom. Remember, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. This is written in Matthew 22, verse 2. The festivities probably began on the third day of the week, as was the prevailing custom, and continued for the whole week every day, and everyone is rejoicing, and all the culture is joining the happiness of the bride and the broom, and all the friends, and even the extended family. You have to understand that in the first century, men will be reclining on the floor mats, consuming lots of food and wine between listening to the music and then going up to dance. And you have to understand women congregates elsewhere and were not part of the men activities. There will be a lot of food and especially there will be a lot of uh, roasted lamb and herbs, bread and a lot of wine, which was used both for drinking and in the preparation of the foods. There will be a lot of food, including olives, grapevine leaves, dried apricots, dates, almonds, raisins, pomegranate, rice. And of course, here is the wine is finishing. And this is so shameful in a culture. The woman will start to gossip and talk about the husband and say, listen, listen, you know, this husband is not a good husband. He is spendthrift. He don't like to buy wine there's not enough wine and the atmosphere will change to be negative even some of the people will start to leave and here is mary listening to all the negativity around her and she can't deal with that in her spirit she will go and to ask for jesus and see him look what scripture tell us in john chapter 2 verses 1 to 11 Verse 1, on the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My hour has not yet come. Verse 5, his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Of course, Jesus can't say no to his mother. Look at verse 6. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washings, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. And what happened later in the atmosphere changed completely to be positively. And the woman will start to speak and talk in really in a good way about the husband. No more rumors again. No more negativity. But the atmosphere changed really to a positive atmosphere and 
everyone was happy and rejoicing and jesus saved the situation i can see how the people in the group enjoyed the teaching i tell them let's continue and we're gonna go up the stairs and we're gonna see a rectangular shape of archaeological excavations and inside this big rectangular shape there is a lot of currencies and a different kind of money that pilgrims throughout history came here and just throw the money inside that area or that pit and it's a custom in the first century people will bring money as gifts and marriages cost a lot in this part of the world not in ancient times but also in today because you not marry only the wife you marry all her family and the husband is responsible also on her family financially and everything so weddings are very expensive in this part of the world now we are outside at the main courtyard of the church and i will tell the group have 15 minutes to go inside the church and take some pictures and please use the toilets and we will meet back in the courtyard and before we leave when everyone meets in the courtyard i will suggest for the group to take a picture together a group picture and this will be a nice memory that we, they will remember for the rest of their lives now when we finish i have a surprise for the group we spoke a lot about wine so i'm gonna take them to taste the cultural wine of Cana. To be honest with you it's not the best wine but it's not about the wine it's about the experience so all of us will go together and go inside a shop and inside that shop they will be gathered together to have the traditional wine of canna for a taste and for a toast and then after that we head to the bus because we will continue our way to downtown nazareth to go and visit the annunciation church this was a taste of the culture, custom, and context of marriages of the first century. I hope you enjoyed uh, this uh, teaching and please share it with friends and with families and share the podcast and it will be a big blessing to me. If you have any questions, you can go back to my website www.twinstours.org or you can check the, my second website www.onefridayinjerusalem.com I will repeat it again onefridayinjerusalem.com and you can drop me an email thank you so much